welcome to the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journeys and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent the same way, and we should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, I would love it if you would share the show with a friend. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. We have a fantastic guest and she is Mandy Ariotto. Mandy is the CEO of MOPS, and if you're not familiar with MOPS, it's Moms of Preschoolers, an organization that helps moms in a very tender years of their motherhood journey, and she does such a great job at that. She has a new book coming out today, actually, called Have More Fun, How to Be Remarkable, Stop Feeling Stuck, and Start Enjoying Life. Now that she has older kids, she has lived through many seasons of parenting, and today we're talking about her motherhood journey and the wisdom that she has learned as she has sought to let go of her more natural rigidity and her need for structure and things and to just embrace the fun of life. And she talks about how that has impacted her family in a really positive way. So I'm so excited to hear more about Mops, her involvement with that, and about her new book, Have More Fun. Let's get to it with Mandy Ariotto. Alrighty, I'm so thrilled to be chatting with Mandy Ariotto today. Hi, Mandy. Hey. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm so excited to be here with you. Oh, thanks for making the time. Where do you live? Denver. Oh, Denver. And it is super cold and snowy today. Okay, I'm in Southern California, so I'm not facing that same. (laughs) But Colorado's beautiful. It is beautiful. I actually grew up in Southern California, so. Oh, did you? What Um, took you to Colorado? Working for Mops actually brought us out here. Mm, so interesting, it's been quite a journey. Okay, yeah. yes, we're going to talk about that. You're the CEO of Mops International. For people that aren't familiar with that organization, can you give your little elevator pitch? <laughs> yeah, so Mops is an organization that works with women, particularly mothers, all around the globe. We're in 60 countries, and we translate our resources into 14 different languages. So what we do is we empower moms and resource them to feel like they are the best moms that they can possibly be, and then also to find lifelong friends to journey with. I love it. Oh, I love it so much. You have done such amazing work, and you're impacting so many mothers along their journeys to empower them to feel like they can do it, and they're not doing it alone, and I just love that mission. So we're going to go more into how MOPS came to be, but can we go back even a little bit further? And what did you want to be when you grew up? And what's what's your background? (laughs) Yeah. So um, when I was little, I wanted to be a horseback riding cheerleader. So I don't know how that plays out as an adult. Um, But I always wanted to have an eclectic career. None of the traditional careers ever really appealed to me. And so... um, I've had a very circuitous professional journey, and now I get to be the CEO of MOPS, and in many ways, I feel like I am riding a wild bronco and cheerleading moms as we go, so I think it actually came true in a lot of ways. There you go. That's awesome, and you are a newly minted author. Congratulations. Thank you. That is very exciting. We'll talk more about your book, Have More Fun, in just a minute. Um, But will you tell me about early motherhood for you? What did that look like? What did you think it was going to be like? What did it end up being like? And what did you find yourself needing? 
Yeah, so I had my first baby when I was 23 years old, and none of our friends had had kids up until that point. And so we really had no clue what we were in for. And early on, I had someone give me the advice of just enjoying every season and taking it for what it came with. Mm. And what I have recognized now that I have teenagers in my house is that every season is so different and so unique and there is so much goodness to be found in each one. And when we really enjoy that season that we're in as moms, and that is so asinine, right? To be like, just enjoy it right now. But um, what I really recognized was the things that annoyed me when my kids were little. So like when my two-year-old wouldn't stop talking, now that she's 14, the only thing that I want is for her to talk to me, right? Mm. So it's like, if we can really just treasure the things that are in front of us at the moment, our motherhood journey is so um, rich with meaning and delight and fun. And so I struggled just like every other mom with the early mothering years, trying to figure out what my purpose was, if I should be at home with my kids or if I should be pursuing something outside of the home, like all the same things that we all are questioning it on any given day. And yet in the back of my mind, I always had that advice from the woman who reminded me just to treasure the season that I was currently in. Yeah, and that is way easier said than done. But when you at least have that intent to try and seek that, that's really the first step is identifying what what you want to try to do and not just throw in, you know, the towel and be like, well, how am I even supposed to do that? Because I'm just cleaning up Cheerios all day long and changing diapers and, you know, where's the fun in that? And you totally. really did realize that you were kind of being a little bit uh, rigid, perhaps. I don't know if that's the right word you would use to describe it, but in your mothering and you were really lacking kind of the fun and the perspective that would ultimately bring you the most joy. How would you describe that? Yeah, so I woke up one morning and recognized that as I woke up that morning, what I was looking forward to was taking a nap that afternoon. Yeah. And then later that day, my kids were playing in the back room, my three kids, and they were laughing and having the time of their life. And I ran back there and I yelled at them for laughing too loudly. Mm. And there was just like a series of events where I started to recognize, oh my goodness, like I have forgotten how to have fun. Not just forgotten to have fun, but I've forgotten what I enjoyed, what made me happy. And really, I had completely missed prioritizing it throughout the course of the day. My priorities were checking things off my to-do list and getting stuff done, keeping my kids fed, getting everyone where they needed to be. And what I recognized was I didn't want to get to the end of my life and realize I was just really good at keeping up with email (laughs) or that I was really productive because none of those things in the long run really mattered. And what I want was my kids to look back on their childhood and realize that their mom was thriving that she had fun and that she modeled to them how to do the same. I want my husband to fall into bed with me at the end of the day and totally delight in having me as his wife. And I just want to be the kind of person who brings joy and kindness wherever I go. And so this started me on a journey where for one year I decided that I was going to have one goal and I like my goals, right? Like (laughs) usually in January, I like to list out like 20 things I want to accomplish over the course of a year. But I decided that this particular year I was going to have one goal and that was to simply have more fun. And it changed everything for me. What was the first fun thing that you did? Where did you start? So it, 
it manifested itself in so many different ways. But what I really recognized was that the most significant fun that I incorporated into my life wasn't the big things, right? It wasn't like, I'm going to go skydiving or we're going on vacation. It was really just stopping, turning my computer off and laying on the floor with my kids and like tickling them mm-hmm. or not putting in one more load of laundry and instead taking them out for ice cream or going for a walk and climbing a tree with them. And so really it was the small intentional ways that I chose fun over the monotony and important details of the day that maybe weren't as important as I, as I had once prioritized. It was those things that really revolutionized who I was becoming and how I was interacting with my family. I love that. And and I think there's two things about that that I really love. The first is, obviously, our kids want to have fun with us. And they can make so many memories. And they're going to look back on you know their growing up years at home and remember mom tickling them on the floor and mom showing up and closing your computer and everything like that. So that's the first thing that's really an important gift. The second thing I think is that's really important that I have been really guilty of lately that I am feeling really convicted by is that I want to be trustworthy to my kids. And so when they say, you know, oh, will you come do this? And I say, okay, in a few minutes, in five minutes, in 10 minutes, there is a high percentage that I don't show up when I say I'm going to show up. Mm-hmm. And we start to lose credibility with our kids when we don't show up. And so I want to be known as a mom that is trustworthy and fun. And I do what I say I'm going to do. And, and so really rethinking and really carving out space for that fun time and that presence with my kids, that's going to have infinite impact. Is that what you found? Totally. And I love that idea of being trustworthy because how many of us, I mean, on a daily basis, we're like, yep, five more minutes. Yep. So that is really significant. And it just builds that underlying foundation of my mom is going to do what she says she's going to do. Well, we want our kids to do what we want them to do. And when we say, come on, shoes on right now in the car right now, like if they don't have to, when we want them to have to, we react and respond and we're disappointed and we're frustrated. And the fact that most of the times our kids just anticipate that we're not going to do what we say we're going to do. Like, that's not good. That's not a good thing to be off the hook for that. Totally. Totally. Oh. That's that's really powerful. So when did MOPS enter into your life? And what did that transition look like? MOPS is a 45-year-old organization. Okay. And it was started by seven women here in Colorado in the 70s, 1973. Oh, so wow. it's been around for a really long time. Okay. And, but you are the CEO currently, right? I've been the CEO for three years and I was in mops when my kids were little. So I've experienced it from all different angles and really recognize the power of bringing women together. Wow. Okay. And so when you started taking on leadership roles in the organization and, and moving up, were you already in this habit of, of including and prioritizing fun and vibrancy in your life? This has been a lifelong journey for me. Mm. And the fun prioritizing has really come in in the last three years, recognizing mm. that when there is so much to do over the course of a day, when you feel like you can't even catch up, that fun is really the savior that we're all looking for. And so it's revolutionizing my parenting and my work life and all sorts of things, but it's a a fairly new endeavor. 
were there any fears you had when you started making this transition? Like, my house is going to be a disaster. I'm never going to be organized and be late to everything. Were there any fears you had that kind of went by the wayside when you actually started implementing this? Because I'm sure there's a lot of moms listening like, I don't have time for fun. Like, I'm just trying totally. to keep my head above water. That's what people are thinking right now. <laughs> totally. Or fun equals just one more mess that I'm going to have to clean uh-huh. up or, uh-huh. you know, things like that. Right. So my house is always a mess. So that wasn't a fear for me. <laughs> but what was a fear was um, in so many ways, fun feels or can feel frivolous, right? Yep. Like we're being wasteful with our time. We're not being productive. And so that was something that I really had to work through of prioritizing what was important to me and not feeling guilty if things didn't get done that maybe I thought were important to get done over the course of the day. But what I realized very quickly into this little experiment was that suddenly when I was having more fun, all of those things didn't feel as important anymore. Mm. And so I really had a change of priorities and a change of heart that when my kids are laughing around a table and we're playing card games together, those are the moments that are so important versus making sure all the dishes are done at the end of the night. Sure. How long did it take for you personally to see that shift in perspective? Because I think sometimes we try new things and if it doesn't work right away or it creates more of a hassle, then it's worth we like jump ship way earlier than giving it the due time. So how long before you started really appreciating this is worth it? It took a good two months. Okay. And I think the biggest shift was my kids recognizing like, oh, this isn't just like a one-time mom's being silly kind of thing. It turned into this is who we are and who mom is. And so it really took two months for everybody to feel like, oh, this is like our new our new thing, our new identity. And we choose fun uh, because that's important to us. And so it took a a good couple of months for it to really work and to sink in and to see the fruit of it. Yeah. And when you treat it like a value instead of like an attitude, you know, like it just, it can be prioritized differently and, and be given different weight. And so you have teenagers now. So for moms listening who are in the, the younger years with toddlers and everything, you know, tickling and playing characters and actually getting on their eye level and things, you know, That doesn't sound that fun to me all the time, but when you see your kids lighting up and things and running through the sprinklers and just having more abandon, that's what that can look like. But I think as our kids get older, we do think it's kind of a more serious job sometimes because they're dealing with weightier issues and things. So what does fun look like with older kids? And I actually think this is when it's the most important when our kids get older and suddenly... They don't think you're super cool and they're super embarrassed about you occasionally. And so I just find that when I bring in fun to our daily rhythms with our teenagers, it revolutionizes my relationship with them. So I have a 17-year-old, a 14-year-old, and an 11-year-old. And what I recognize is the older they get, I have kids who do not want to be hugged because they don't think it's cool. And so... (laughs) What I also know is they desperately need a hug, even though they won't ask for it. And so I just chase them around and we have this funny little game where I pretend to bear hug them as hard as I can. And they (laughs) pretend that it's crushing them, even though everyone knows that that's highly unlikely with my arm strength. But it's those silly, random things that we do with our teenagers that 
really changes the fabric of who they are and who they're becoming. And they know, like, I can talk to mom about anything and this isn't going to get blown out of proportion. Or my mom's going to chase me around and bear hug me, even though I am pretending I don't like it. And so my teenagers are hilarious. And when I get to joke with them, it, it, like, makes my day. And so I just think sometimes we go into the teenagers thinking this is going to be hard and it's going to be terrible. And what I've recognized is... Yeah, there's hard moments, but ultimately it's freaking hilarious having teenagers in the house. So, What did you think being a mom to teenagers was going to be like? Because so many times we do put this like looming sentence out in front of us like, oh, teenagers are so hard and it's whatever. But I've heard so many wonderful stories of parenting just taken to the next level of enjoyment and, and depth with their teenagers when it's done with a different attitude? What, how did you approach it and what have you found? So I'm a big believer that in life across the board, we find what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. So if we go into a situation thinking it's going to be a a certain way, most likely it's going to turn out to be that way because we're looking for data to prove us, to prove us right. And so, um, I just kind of went into the teenagers thinking this is going to be the best, the best parenting years we've had so far. And it's really proving to be true. And what I see is my teenagers making adult choices and sometimes making good choices, sometimes not making good choices. But together, we are navigating life and seeing them step into who they're becoming as an adult. And it's truly remarkable. They're funny. Their wit is coming out. You see their little personalities really blooming and blossoming into who they're becoming And so it has been such a gift to have teenagers in the house because they bring so much energy and they're thinking through difficult topics and discovering what their stances are on situations in the world and becoming a world citizen. And I just have thoroughly enjoyed it. That is so awesome. And your work at MOPS primarily is with, with young mothers and people just starting out on this journey. And so having the perspective now of having older children, and but having been there not so long ago, what are you telling moms these days and what are the struggles you're seeing and and, and attempting to address with these young mothers now that you have the perspective of, of being out of it several years? So I th- see three things across the board. Everywhere I go in the world, I see three things. It doesn't matter socioeconomic level doesn't matter where you live doesn't matter I feel like moms across the board are experiencing three things and they are that moms feel exhausted because they're doing so much and they feel like they're not doing enough at the same time Mm -hmm. and then third is that there's this deep sense of loneliness and so it's enough to drive any of us crazy I feel like the fact that we are doing so much and still don't feel like we're doing enough and that's so the primary thing that we're trying to help moms navigate is this pressure that we're putting on ourselves where we don't feel like we can catch up or we don't feel like we're doing enough, that there's so much more we should be achieving with our lives or that there's some huge purpose that we need to achieve in order to change the world. And just recognizing like, what, what really are we called to do as human beings in the world and kind of reframing that conversation. Mm -hmm. And then Connecting women is so essential because so many of us, I would say 99% of the women I meet in some way feel deeply lonely. Mm. I love that so much. I also hear a lot of issue with comparison 
seeing other mothers and feeling like they're doing it so much better and they, you know, are doing it so much worse and everything. So as you are seeking to connect women, how do you also address comparison and not feeding that fire and instead build the fire of vulnerability and connection and identifying that literally we all have struggles and we all have our unique talents and we we're all necessary and our we're the perfect mom for our kids I really feel like when we lead with our own vulnerability that's when deep connection happens and so often we do feel that comparison trap that many of us fall into what I recognize is the women who I feel most competitive with or most um, who trigger my insecurities the most when I have gotten to know them and sat down with them for a cup of coffee or invited them over to my home I recognize that they are doing it just like I am they have the same fears and insecurities and that when I actually know who they are as a human being that all of those feelings that I had toward them are suddenly dissolved and there's a really beautiful friendship that happens. Second thing, I, I wish that this conversation about comparison could go away because I feel like so often the more we talk about it, the more it perpetuates. And I feel like it's not serving any of us well. And I think we all know this, but I just wonder how we get to it from a core level. I was actually talking to my mom a couple of months ago about this and her generation of moms and how there wasn't that same level of comparison that we are dealing with now. And I think there's all sorts of reasons for it, but I just wonder how we get to the root of it. And I don't have any answers at this point, but I'm working on it. Yeah, I I could not agree more. And I do think there has been a shift because there was such a focus on comparison with the rise of social media and just that exposure to other lives and how other people are doing their lives and things like that. And But now I feel a shift towards personal development. And, and now once people are more focused on what's going on inside of them versus what's going on outside of, of the world and things they can't control, the more we focus on our own thought work and <clears throat> less on controlling things we can't control. I, I think we're, I think we're moving that way. I hope so. Um, it, at least I feel like maybe my circle is, I don't know, but I think the more that we are concerned about working on ourselves and being our best self, the less we're concerned about being like anybody else who we think is the best. I, I think that's a brilliant shift and that's really wise of you to recognize when we focus on the things that we can control suddenly the things that we can't don't become so important yeah. and looking outward versus looking inward. Yeah. So yeah. I totally agree. I think you're right. We both have a very passionate stance on wanting other people to feel how remarkable they truly are. I use the word extraordinary in your book um, in the subtitle, use the word remarkable. And I just really do think that everybody is created uniquely as they are and are given the unique diverse children that they are given because we're all equipped in our own way to contribute to this world. And do you see people just undervaluing themselves like so abundantly that it makes you crazy? I see that everywhere. Totally, totally. <laughs> Especially moms, I feel like, yeah. right? Yes. Because, yeah, absolutely. And so how... Do we help people to feel like this? I do it by sharing stories of regular, everyday women doing extraordinary 
things and it's not grand things it's not big things it's not necessarily on stages they're not necessarily writing books like you are but they're just doing their best in their own lane and I want to share those stories and help other people to see how amazing they are and hopefully and even just giving them the space to reflect upon their life and their journey they can they can feel a little bit more that way and the listener can certainly view them as extraordinary how do you do that how do you bring out and and really confirm to people how remarkable they really are. So I really feel like when we show up in our everyday lives, that is remarkable and extraordinary. And what that means to me is uh, a friend of mine did some research on this idea of changing the world, which I think puts so much pressure on us. And we feel like we're not doing enough because we're not doing anything big and grand. But that idea actually has just been around since like, the 1960s and before that there were like zero books with the title that had changed the world in it and since then now in 2018 there were like over 20,000 books with changed the world in the title and what that tells me is we're putting a lot of pressure on ourselves to do big things Mm. but the idea of being extraordinary if we look at that word is actually extra ordinary. And Mm -hmm. I remind myself of this all the time because I think being extraordinary is actually being extraordinary. It's showing up and knowing the name of the cashier who checks us out at the grocery store every week. It's doing the quirky things that make us who we are, that make us ordinary. But being ordinary, in my opinion, is so fantastic. We change the little, our own world, and we don't have to feel the pressure of changing the big world. And so are we loving our neighbors well? Are we being kind to the people who are driving around us? Are we looking our kids in the eye during the course of the day and really connecting with them? And that to me is being extraordinary. And I try to remind the people around me that that is what extraordinary means as well. I love that perspective so much. And sometimes it's just doing the one small extra thing to something very typical. So I love complimenting the person who's taking my order at Chick-fil-A. Like I always find something to compliment them about, whether it's their speaking voice or their smile or how quickly they remembered my order, whatever it is. Love it. Complimenting them. I had somebody that I let in traffic the other day, and as they pulled in front of me, I see them start to roll down their window and put their arm out. And, you know, that's usually not going to (laughs) progress well, but I didn't do anything wrong. So I'm like, what is he doing? Yeah. He literally flashed the I love you sign to me. (laughs) All I did was let him over. And it was just like, it was so nothing. But I have told so many people that story. Everyone thinks it's like so unique and funny because usually that's not the fingers that get lifted when you're gesturing out the window. Totally. And, you know, it really is, like you said, knowing the name of the cashier that always checks you out. It's asking about you know, somebody's mother who has been struggling because you know that's been a struggle and checking in on them. It's the one extra thing. And the one extra thing kind of snowballs into more things. And, but it doesn't need to take a lot of extra time, a lot of extra effort. It's just being you and being willing to show up. I could not agree more. And I think that extends into like feeling anxiety about the state of the world, right? We Uh watch the news and we're like, oh my gosh, things are terrible or whatever your perspective is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, how do we combat that? We flash someone and I love you, son, yes. you were driving next to, right? Like, that's I, how we 
That's how we change the ethos of what is happening around us. That is awesome. I, I dare you all to find some opportunity to on the road today when somebody else is in gridlock traffic and feeling grumpy to flash the I love you sign to them and it will make <laughs> their whole month. So though. cool. I love it. Well, Mandy, this has just been such a great conversation. Tell people where they can find you, find your book, find Mops, all that. Yep, you can find Mops at mops.org. And we have groups meeting all over the world. So if you're looking for some mom friends to journey alongside of, that's where you can go. And you can find me at mandyarioto.com. Perfect. And I'm going to link to everything in the show notes on Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Mandy, I always ask my guests three final questions, and this is them. First is, what is your purpose? Ever since uh, I was little in my family, we have this tagline that we want to be known as uh, leaving a legacy of love. Mm -hmm. And so that has kind of just been drilled into my mind that we are a family that leaves a legacy of love. And that's from my great, great grandmother. And so that is my purpose in life that Everywhere I go, everyone I talk to, that in some way I would leave behind a piece of love or kindness and be known for that. That is so beautiful. I love that. What makes you smile? The main thing that makes me smile are pranks. I think <laughs> pranks are my love language. <laughs> what? Tell me, so tell me more. Whether my house or with my coworkers, pranks definitely make me smile. That is so funny. One of my best friends, Stephanie, she is the sweetest, most Christ-like woman you've ever met. And she loves April Fool's Day more than anybody I know. <laughs> and it is the most like incongruent thing. When I first found out, I'm like, you put glue in your kid's cereal? Like in the freezer? Like, what are you doing? And because everything about her life is just so picture perfect. And but the prank, so I see that it just relates back to having more fun. You're just doing it right. Totally. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> I love it. And the last question is something that's really important to the mission of this podcast. Like we talked about earlier, I want women and people to know how extraordinary they truly are. And being extraordinary really starts with accepting that you are extraordinary. You already are. So that's just a fact. But if you don't believe it, you're wasting energy, time, skills, resources that you have that could be used in such an amazing, impactful way. And so I want to know from you, Mandy, what makes you extraordinary? I would say one thing that I really hold on to is that whatever is in front of me, I'm going to bring my A game. Mm. Like whether it's, you know, planning out snacks for my kid's school or preparing a meeting for our board who's in town, I will give you a hundred percent regardless of what it is. So I feel like that's a piece of what makes me extraordinary. That is super extraordinary. I love that answer. That is super fantastic. Mandy, you are so awesome. And I just am so grateful for your willingness to share on the podcast, to share your love and passion for empowering women through mops and to do it within the four walls of your home as well. Like, I just, I just love that. I think you are amazing. And I hope your book does so well. And everybody picks up Have More Fun by Mandy Arioto. Thanks, Jessica. It's been such a, such a pleasure and such a gift to spend time with you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. I want to thank Mandy again for coming on the show today. If you are a mom of a preschooler, or I think it starts as young as 18 months 
go to mops and you can find out all the specifics but if you are looking for a motherhood community if you are new to an area or just new to this season of life and need other like-minded mom friends mops could be a great place to connect with other women there's they're usually hosted at churches and they're all over the world and so i'm sure you can find one near you if you go to the mops website again everything that we talked about today including her book have more fun will be linked over on extraordinarymomspodcast.com thanks so much mandy and keep doing the amazing work that you're doing if you don't already follow me on instagram you can do that at jessica dahlquist3 or on facebook at extraordinary moms podcast Thanks so much for all the love that you left on the name change episode from last week. I appreciate that so much. If you enjoyed this episode, will you screenshot it and share it with a friend? And just any time that you're listening and you feel compelled to leave a review or share it, be sure to tag me so I can say thank you. Alrighty, everybody, that will do it from me this week. And we will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.